Hello and welcome to our second episode of the 2020 season of the Swing Bunt Podcast. We've got a lot on our plates for today. Please be sure to follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can always support us at patreon.com forward slash swinging bunt and can ask us questions anywhere. I'm Jake. This is Wes. And, hey. and James. <laughs> What's up? And we're the Swinging Bunt Podcast. Thank you for listening and as always, enjoy. to have you, you here you. we have missed you Wes and I had a little emergency uh, show that we had to record shortly after the Astros scandal so much has gone on honestly there's still so much we could discuss about that but for the comfort of Wes we're going to make sure we just keep that away for now we'll just keep that away <laughs> thank you thank you very much at least until in a few minutes <clears throat> so for our, our we're going to start breaking the show up a little bit into segments right so we're going to call our first segment the first pitch very punny if you know me, you know I love puns. So for the first pitch, we're going to break off into two little small categories, right? We're going to spend a few minutes talking about off-season acquisitions, and then we're going to dive into this little Pete Rose story we have going on right now. So the first pitch, off-season acquisitions. Guys, what are things that have jumped out to you in the last few months that have just been huge baseball news? Obviously, we have the trade that just went down yesterday and other things. So I'll leave it up to you guys. Bring forward some topics you guys want to talk about. Wes, go ahead. Uh, What's a big or James? Yeah. yeah, you go ahead. What's a big thing that's okay. popped out to you? Well, yeah, clearly everyone's going to say the Mookie Betts trade, mm-hmm. um, but I'll save that for because I don't know all the details of it and everything. But I, I like the Azuna trade. I thought that was really big. Um, I, I mean, you know, I like the Braves, so it really mm-hmm. affects me. Mm-hmm. But Good. break it down for those who don't know. Okay, so Azuna, Marcel Azuna, who absolutely torched us last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm was traded to the Braves. Um, I'm going to look up the exact trade so I get it right. Okay. Uh, so while I do that, y'all can talk about your, your things. So, Wes, one thing I do want to do is I do want to talk about the Mookie Betts trade, but from the Boston side of things, let's save that for when we talk about Boston later in the podcast. But for the okay. Dodgers side of things, holy cow. Are they not the team to beat in the majors right now? They are the team to beat. And uh, I think, I'd say they're right up there with the Yankees. Yeah. Um, you know, Yankees pitching rotation is crazy good. Not to mention their ro- their just lineup is just murderous row 3.0. But anyways, that is uh, that's uh, those are two scary teams right there. Yeah, Dodgers yeah, are my pick number one. They're like a collision course for the the super, the Super Bowl, the <laughs> World Series. <laughs> Get football off your mind, James. It's over. It's done with baseball Sorry. time. Um. Yeah. The thing is with the National League. The Dodgers have a slightly harder road to the World Series because the National League has much more parity in it, um, meaning the, the teams are much more even. If you look at the American League, I mean, we could potentially have three or more teams, probably three teams, under 60 wins next year, being Baltimore, Detroit, maybe even Seattle. I mean, that's a stretch for Seattle. If, if there are any Seattle fans out there, which I doubt, please <laughs> don't <agree>. be offended. <laughs> um, but... But the National League, I mean, there's a lot of divisions last year that were up in the air until the last few weeks. Whereas the Yankees, there's not that many top-tier teams to contend with. 
So I think that the, oh, no. the Yankees are going to probably have more wins than the Dodgers just because you're going to play more terrible teams. Um, but, yeah, the Dodgers. Let's look at the Dodgers lineup really quick. I'm going to pull it up. And let's... While you do that, I can talk about what yeah, I was you go ahead before. and do that. Yep. Um, okay, so we actually – he was a free agent. I thought we traded it for him, but he was a free agent. So we got him a uh, one-year deal worth $18 million. That's not bad. Uh, which, yeah, which still – I mean, that doesn't – I don't really understand the trade fully. I'm excited because I know the guy can just mash the ball, but – we need a third baseman, a uh, full day, full every day third baseman. So, which I'm gonna leave it open. I think they're still trying to trade for one. Um, maybe you know one of your guys, or they have been talking about Chris whoa, Bryant. Whoa, 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 whoa! You don't need any of our guys. <laughs> we're we're gonna have enough trouble as is, James. <laughs> I'm pretty excited though. Uh, I think we're the second best team in the NL, but personally, that's my personal opinion. I would agree. Uh, I think teams that are going to give you a run for your money are Washington, maybe St. Louis. Um, yeah. I do think the Dodgers are the two is are the best team, and I would put Atlanta as the next best team. Hurting Josh, losing Josh Donaldson will hurt, um, but I think you guys made up for it with acquisitions elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I would say also watch out for uh, the Brewers in the NL. You know, Yellow's mm-hmm. coming back. We'll see. We'll see if they're rotation. That one before. Oh, yeah. Jack. They, they, yeah, gosh, last year Jack was all over the Brewers. We put him in his place, though. That's why he's not on the show anymore. Can't, can't, <laughs> he's not fired. Can't show his face these days. <laughs> Nathan Evaldi. <laughs> I can't oh. he's a, that was his Cy Young pick. I mean, who did we pick? I don't even remember. It doesn't matter. I picked James Paxson, so I, I didn't do a whole lot better. Yeah, I'm, pretty sure I picked I picked, I'm pretty sure I picked Verlander and Jacob DeGrom, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I picked Cole and uh, <laughs> Grom, possibly. So okay, yeah. Well, but uh, if if I could kind of comment on make uh, three three big guys uh, that were picked up by different teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, number number one, Josh Donaldson with the Twins. The Twins uh, are making moves, man. They want to win the World Series this year, which is honestly a big difference between them and a lot of the other teams in baseball. They're pushing. They're like, we've got the youth, we've got the offense. Why not make this offense even better? They broke a record okay, for home runs last as year. Big of, as long of a deal as they did. I thought it was a little too long with how his age and everything. That was my biggest concern. I would agree, but he wasn't signing for less. He said, look, I just yeah. proved to the world that I can still perform at an elite level. You're going to p- pay me like an elite p- elite player. And the Twins are like, you know what? We're willing to bite that bullet. We haven't, honestly, they have a very low budget for the talent. Th- I'm sorry, a low salary for the talent they have on that team. Now, the only question is, will their pitching be able to carry them through it? But honestly, as long as their pitching gives up less than five runs a game, they're going to win a whole lot of games. Because <laughs> that oh, offense yeah. is going to keep shredding. Yeah, that offense is uh, it's pretty scary, yeah. honestly. Uh, the, the number two pers- number two player who get- also got moved, uh, Corey Kluber. Yeah. Went to the Texas Rangers. Wesley, Wesley. Rangers. Look, we, did, we dealt with this last year with Michael Brantley and Jan Gomes, okay? <laughs> I don't need this pain in my life, okay? I'm All not right, kidding. Well, real quick, <laughs> real quick. <laughs> the, the Rangers are in a brand new stadium yeah. that will be covered, mm-hmm. which means no more heat wearing down in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Look for Corey Kluber to regain his elite status. <laughs> I sure hope so. Oh, I, can't, <laughs> I can't handle it. I just can't. Brantley goes and has an amazing season. Jan Gomes wins a World Series. It's just the worst. One thing I do want to say, with this whole Astros cheating scandal, I am 100% positive that Brantley took no part in it. I just want to put that out there. Okay? (laughs) All right. So, yeah. Meanwhile, Cleveland trades away Corey Kluber for peanuts. We did get a really hard-throwing relief pitcher, and we did get Delino DeShields. Who's a fast nice. outfielder who can't yes, hit, which we have like six of those, so yay. <laughs> and, then, and then the owner says, Well, the reason that we made this trade, or I'm sorry, the general manager says, who I love our general manager, Chris Antonetti, Chris Antonetti, great guy, great general manager. He's the only reason we're, well, one of the only reasons we're a competitive team year in and year out. He's held back by one of the most incompetent owners in baseball. But he says, The reason that we made this trade is so that we will have more money to invest in our team this winter, and we expect to do so coming into the season. Since then, the Cleveland Indians have added absolutely nobody except for um, ooh, our second baseman we just added. What's his name? I don't look like a good Indians fan. 
We added a second baseman to replace Jason Kipnis, who actually was a, the number 10 overall second baseman last year. Um, but it was for really Cesar Hernandez? Yes, Cesar Hernandez. Um, oh, yeah. That's a good pickup, actually. It is a good pickup, but it's nothing that's going to throw us over the Twins. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? So it's frustrating. Luckily, we still have great young pitching. But let's move on. We can't spend too much time on this because we have a lot more to get onto. So those are the acquisitions we're going to talk about today. Um, we'll talk about more as the season goes on because we're going to break into every division as the preseason rolls along. So that's that. Now, so fans have been pandering for Pete Rose really for years now, um, saying that he deserves to be a part of baseball, at least be in the Hall of Fame. He's the all-time hit leader, one of the greatest competitors in the sport. However, he pretty much has the black spot of baseball being his gambling scandal for a majority of his career, both as a player and a manager. It's come out that he has bet on games that he was involved in as a player and a manager. He claims only ever betting on himself to win, which I hope that's true, but there's no proof to that either way, but that's what he claims in his book. Now, set the premise for it a little bit. For years, he was fighting in court cases or in cases against the league, claiming that he had nothing to do with any kind of gambling. So essentially lying for years until in 2001, he essentially agreed to a no term of surrender, no contest, permanent ban from the league, claiming that he did in fact um, bet on games he was involved in. And then in 2004, in his book, he apologized for what he had done. So after years and years, I mean, he played in the 80s, years of lying, he was banned from it, not only just for his betting, but also for the way he conducted himself after the scandal had actually happened. So now people are saying, look at what the Astros have done. They actually affected the league. They actually cheated, literally proven cheating and admitted cheating. And now they are only getting a one-year ban or the players no punishment because they admitted to it. So people are upset. Pete Rose also is upset. So I want to know what your guys' thoughts on it. What do you guys think about how this should go forward? Uh, me personally, I think our resident think Astros fan. I think it's time for Rose to to get uh to get his ban lifted. Now, if I mean, unless they're they were gonna gonna do a lifetime ban for the whole Astros team, a la Chicago Black Sox, um, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think that would happen. But I think it's time. I think Pete brings up some good points. You know, there's guys that have done it, and uh, there's no doubt about it. He bet on baseball. He bet he bet on on his team. Whether or not he bet on them to win or lose, that's up in the air. But uh, I think if you put aside the cheating, he is the all-time hits leader in baseball history. And I did hear a good point the other day, though. Uh, if you're going to add Pete Rose, who's a known cheater, uh, if if he's going to make the Hall of Fame, known gambler, a known yeah, known. Gambler, I wouldn't say cheater. Okay, yeah. Well, no gambler. <laughs> Are you going to allow Barry Bonds, who is a known, well, never been proven, or Roger Clemens never been proven cheater with steroids, would you let them in the Hall of Fame? So to me, it's two different things. Cheating and gambling. One Wasn't saying, Clemens on the ballot? They both were. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, they're both well, on the ballot. They're not banned from the sport. It has nothing to do with the MLB, though. That has this to do with is, all the voters. This is the writers, right? right? But, yeah. but it, there's no doubt about those guys are, if you put stats there they are hall of fame one ballot hall of famers yeah, well, now, right and they've out, gotten they're, they're votes getting, they've gotten votes but, just not enough but there's no question that that if they were not cheater if they did not have any steroids with them they would have been first ballot hall of famers yeah unanimous. for sure but pete rose didn't cheat he played the game straight up every day as hard as he could without the aid of anything else he just also said i think i'm gonna win so i'm gonna see if i can win some money doing that too now, is that ethical? No. But did that affect the game in any way? Also, no. But I do... Uh, go ahead, sorry, James. Go ahead. Um, I look at it like, I think it should be removed. I think this has been way too long anyways in the first place. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about someone who takes steroids. Um, even if they do it multiple times, they usually just get suspended for a longer time. Uh, has anyone ever been kicked out of the league for... Steroids. No, no one's ever been kicked out of the league. They've been for a year plus. That's so that's cheating, and yet they they keep being able to come back. And he just bet on his games, which I still don't agree with. Don't get me wrong there. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you're making tons of money as it is. What do you need more? But that's that's a whole side fact. Right. Um, but it's been he's been out of the league for so many years because of this. I mean, he's took his punishment. And you can tell it's affected him because he wants to be part of baseball. Yeah. He loves baseball. Agreed. And I feel that why, it definitely deserves a punishment, but the punishment needs to fit the crime. And I feel like this is way too strong of a punishment for something that he did over 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a punishment around 40 years ago. I wasn't alive. No doubt about it. thing is, interesting thing about this too, none of us, maybe James, you're really old. None of us were really alive for this <laughs> either. So we look back on this and we just see the history and the highlights of the man who played baseball like an insane man. I mean, the way he played was like, he seems a lot to me like the Bryce Harper of back then. You know what I mean? Just like the guy. Don't. No, Bryce Harper's. No, I would not agree with that at all. I would not say that either. I mean, like when he first came into the league, remember how he used to just be full go all the time, no matter what? Not anymore. Not anymore. But like how he used to be when he first came into the league, just sprinting all, all the time, trying to steal bases, trying to take that extra base. I don't know. Maybe it's not the perfect analogy, analogy, but he just seems like that guy that had that kind of fire. I wish I could have seen more of that kind of guy or seen him yeah, play I, I for do. sure. I That's think why that, I like talking to Coach Garrison about him. Oh, he yeah. He loves him. Yeah. That was the golden age of baseball, man. I wish I could have seen yep. more of it. Well, I, it really wasn't. The 20s were, I guess, but whatever. But that yeah, was way too long ago. Yeah. <laughs> or or rent that one. How am I supposed to go to a baseball game and watch it in black and white? No way, man. And, and a suit. you got to wear a suit. <laughs> and a suit. Too. I already sweat enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's about Pete Rose. Let's get into the meat of the game, okay? So let's talk about the AL East. I hope you guys researched up on this. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got to talk about how we think each team's going to look, what we think is going to happen in that division. So I want to talk about the AL East and what we expect to happen. Now, I hope you guys have researched the rosters a little bit and how you think the division is going to play out. Uh, to me, I think we can all agree the New York Yankees are going to be the number one team, right? Yes. No doubt. Now, before this previous trade with Mookie Betts and David Price, I would have put Boston next. I'm not so positive that's where I want to put them now. I might oh, put Tampa I Bay have, above them. I have some stuff for you, my friend. Wait till you see if what you I say think. say Toronto, I might no, laugh. No, not second. Okay. So I've got the Yankees. I've got Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, Baltimore. That's my thoughts. Let me hear what you guys have to say. I actually have New York, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston, Baltimore. Yeah, Boston falling to four, huh? I do. Well, let's let's look at the Red Sox, okay? So they recently traded away Mookie Betts, previous MVP. He has the second highest war since 2016, only after Mike Trout. Mike Trout's right around 36. Mookie Betts is at 33 points something. I don't remember exactly what the stat is. But he's right behind Michael Trout as the second most productive player. That's both defensively and offensively all combined in all of baseball. So looking at the Boston Red Sox starting pitching staff, their top five, right? We got Chris Sale, Eduardo Rodriguez, Martin Perez, Nathan Avaldi, and Hector Velazquez. I see one good pitcher there, maybe two. Yeah, that's rough. It's one and a half pitchers. And remember, this is getting rid of David Price, the guy who's pretty good in the regular season and then squanders at the end of the year. Although he Mm -hmm. did do really well in their their championship uh, run. They also lost Rick Porcello as well. Yes, and they also lost Rick Porcello. Their relief pitchers, Matt Barnes, Marcus Walden, Darwinson Hernandez, (laughs) Ryan Brazier, which, how old is that guy? And Bruce Dar Grotero? I've never heard never of them. Never heard of those. I've never heard of three of them. Now, Brandon Workman, solid closer. I like him. I do like him. Yes. Yeah, he's good. Um, their catcher, Christian Vasquez, Vasquez Kevin Ploiecki. Ploiecki's a solid backup, recent Cleveland backup. Catcher, Christian Vasquez, first base, Michael Chavis. Who's hurt? Yep. Second base, Jose Peraza. Third base, Rafael Devers, stud. Shortstop, yeah, Xander, very well could have been. Shortstop, Xander Bogart, stud. Left field, Andrew Benintende, stud. Center field, Rich Rundles. No idea. <laughs> right field now. However, Alex Verdugo, who they just got from the Los Angeles Dodgers, who is a great player, and I think he's going to continue to develop. He's a very well all-around player. And then at DH, they have J.D. Martinez. Now, I see Mitch Moreland on here as well. Why would he be the fourth-string DH? Is he that bad these days? Well, he's, uh, he's, he'll be the starting first baseman until Chavis comes back. 
He is an un- unrestricted free agent right now, though. Oh, is that the case? Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. So he still needs to sign somewhere. Interesting. Yes. I wonder if they'll re-sign him with this money that they're gaining by trading away Mookie and David Price. Because David Price was very expensive. Huh. It makes you wonder if uh, Chris Sale's on the block, you know, with all these with these guys going out. I mean, they won their uh, World Series, and every year they destroy the, every hundred years they destroy their team, whether it's a uh, it's hey, a Babe Atlanta Ruth trade see? or a Mookie Betts trade. <laughs> so, all right, so that's what's happened to Boston. They went from arguably the best team in baseball a couple years ago. I mean, they were they won the World Series to now who they are today. Pretty scary how it can go from top of the world to bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean Rash. we don't know if they'll be bad. We'll see what happens. I mean we remember when they came out and we thought they were gonna be the best team ever, and they were absolutely awful. I would say at least they had the pieces those years. Mm-hmm. This year they are just, just I mean not decimated. They only lost bets. They still got Bogart, still got Devers, but mm-hmm. they're gonna have to do a lot of heavy lifting if they yeah. want to get there. We'll see what happens. You never know. But I think New York's going to run away with that division, though. I, I yeah, believe. easily. I think they For sure. They might have like the most wins they've had in a long time. All right, let's talk about that New York Yankees depth chart, which I think we can all agree we all hate the Yankees, right? Uh, yep. Okay, let's make this quick. <laughs> they've probably improved their team the most out of any team in baseball. starting pitching. It it's ridiculous. Garrett Cole, uh, Luis Severino, uh, James Paxton, Masah- Paxton, Masahiro Tanaka, and Jay Happ. Tanaka is the fourth. That is insane. He Domingo Harmon is not even in the starting spot. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets healthy, arguably he could bump Hap, and I could see Hap being moved to be a, a long reliever, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's a little older. That's going to be ridiculous. And then you go ahead and look at their bullpen. They still have Adam Adovino, Tommy Kane, Zach Britton, Chad Green, Jonathan... Uh, Lois. I don't, know I don't know who that is either. <laughs> and still, Ronald Chapman. <laughs> I mean, when are people going to score against them? Let alone, they're going to be looking at a seven-run deficit because they've got Gary Sanchez, <laughs> Luke Voigt, DJ LeMahieu, Gio Urshela, who came out of nowhere. Again, tears of pain from Cleveland Indians <laughs> fan here. Glaber Torres still. Mike Talkman. Is that right, Talkman? Yeah. yeah. Brett, now, Brett Garner. Eh. He's like the new team captain, right? Because he's since Jeter's gone, and then we still got Aaron Judge and Giancarlo, Giancarlo Stanton. Not to oh, mention, yeah, not to mention Miguel Andujar is injured, and he'll be moving up eventually too. I mean, it's it is ridiculous. I'm actually shocked that Stanton doesn't start in left field over Talkman. Yeah, because Stanton's actually a pretty good well Talk- defensive player. Talkman also had a pretty good year last year. And Stanton's yeah. had a lot of injury problems. I mean, if you look at Talkman, sure. yeah. yeah, I guess you could take him out to just keep him from injuring. I if guess you look at Talkman's stats, he hit 277, 13 homers, and 47 RBI in only 122 at bats, which is pretty solid. <gasps> oh, oh, I'm sorry, That's 260 at bats. Clint Frazier is still in the Yankees. He's still in the Yankees organization, yeah, right? He would start, yeah, and he would start in Cleveland. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> he would start in many places. Yeah. He's fourth on death chart. He just needs no. he just needs to be somewhere outside of New York. Dude's a stud. Yeah, he just can't he just can't be in New York, man. And kind of going back to the pitching, Chad Green didn't even have a good year last year. No, I think he's gonna have a bounce back huge season because dude's got nasty stuff. He does. He, just got he does around a little bit last year, but nasty. Ugh. So Gross. I think we all can expect a lot of them. Um, and then we look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's depth chart, nothing to sneeze at, but doesn't quite stack up to that, right? We still have Chuck Morton, Chuck Nash. That's pretty good. Charlie Morton is the ace, right? Blake Snell, who was previous Cy Young winner. Tyler Glasnow. Ryan Yarbo, Yarbro, excuse me, and Brendan McKay. Relief pitchers, uh, Diego Castillo is pretty solid. Nick Anderson. I'm not going to read all those other guys. And um, Emilio uh, Pagan. One thing. One thing. He's their closer. I think Tyler Glass now could be a Cy Young winner in the next like three years. Throwing that out there. Yeah, why is that? I just think he's phenomenal. Mm, you're right. There's not a lot of phenomenal pitchers out there. We'll yeah, see if exactly. he can keep his, uh, <laughs> his kind of role that he had last year. We'll see if he can keep it up. I just want to say, the Tampa Bay Rays, what they're doing for their team to continue success with this whole opener thing, it's great for them. I hate it so much. I hate <laughs> it. But that's for another time. 
So, I just can't wait till you get the DH and read that name. Continue. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm a pro with names. We still have Mike Zanino's catcher, G-Man Choi, first base, Brandon Lowe, second, Yadi Diaz, another previous Indian who we traded away and just started shredding it last year. All he had to do was get his launch angle up and start, stop hitting line drives straight to the shortstop. Willie Adames? Ad- Adames? Adames? I'm not sure who that is. Adames. 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 Willie Adames. Yep. Yeah, that sounds right. Austin Meadows, Kevin Kiermaier, Hunter Renfro, and Yoshitomo Tsutsugo. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Tsutsugo. That's that's the Rays, right? So they've got a pre- some pretty good names in there, but they don't have the studs on offense really at all. Their their offense isn't very scary though to me. No, it's not. So I think they're very scrappy though. They got some scrappy yeah. guys. They have yeah, a lot of guys they're going to hit for average, right? They don't have a bunch of guys that are going to go out there low. and slug, yeah. but they're going to hit. They're going to they're going to stay with everybody, right? They play kind of a, a little bit of hybrid new school slash old school baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Old school awesome offense. Knows. Probably yep. another All Star this year. Uh, perhaps, we'll perhaps. Who? Austin Meadows. Austin Meadows. Left oh. field is stacked in the American League, though. Well, less stacked now that Betts went to uh, the National League. Man, that outfield in LA is going to be crazy. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about that LA lineup. We'll get there when we get to the NL West, which is our last episode before the regular season. <laughs> All right, so now we go on to the pit of despair. The Baltimore Orioles. Now remember, I have a bold prediction about them. Just when we get there, I have uh, a bold prediction. Gosh, I don't even want to hear it. Your bold predictions are like things it's that are impossible that, to happen. No, this one's very possible. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Remember oh. last year when we were announcing the All Star break? I brought up the name John Means, and you and Jack were like, "Who?" So now we know John Means is the real deal. He's going to be the baller. one bright spot in that team. They still have poor Chris Davis starting at first base. I am so sorry. <laughs> hey, Catch that it. man getting paid. Good for him. He's getting paid. Good for him. <laughs> but he is taking down the whole city of Baltimore with him. Catcher, Pedro Severino. First base, Chris Davis. Second base, Hanser Alberto. Hanser? I don't know. Third base, Rio uh, Ruiz. Shortstop, Jose Iglesias. Left field, Anthony Santander. Center field, Austin Hayes. Right, Trey Mancini. He's solid. And DH, Renato Nunez. I would agree. Easily. Easily. Now, that is what ESPN predicts to be their starting lineup. Or their starting depth chart. I have no idea if that is what's going to happen. (laughs) Baltimore pretty much can throw out any minor league team, and it's probably going to perform about the same as this Baltimore team is going to. Let's be. I think the Astros AAA team could beat that team in a seven-game series. You may be right. The farm system could destroy that team. You guys have such (laughs) high opinions of your farm systems. Uh, Yeah, we have the best, second best farm system. Mm. Top three. Keep dropping. You want to know what the Astros have that's really good? Trash no. cans. Hey, <laughs> Cameras. Cameras. Oh, cameras. Awesome. HD cameras. <laughs> Live HD All right. <laughs> so I've got my predictions for win totals, right? If you guys don't have that, it's fine. I just want to say what I think so that when I'm perfectly spot on with all of them, I can go back and look at it. Are we going to do Toronto's lineup first? Uh, Toronto, they're Canada. Do they really count? They're, I think they have a good team. Yeah, all right. Hey, they those do. Canadians, they, they can hit the bull. I first want to hear Wes <laughs> and James both try to predict. Pre, both pri- <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just messed up the whole joke. <laughs> Attaboy. <laughs> I want to hear them both try to pronounce. Hanjin Ryu? Close. Ooh. Wes? Hanjin Ryu. Yeah, every time. Hanjin Ryu. That's all right. <sighs> Starting pitcher, Hanjin Ryu. Tanner Roark. Chase Anderson. Matt Shoemaker. And Shun Yamaguchi. I don't, I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the starting that... five pitchers. Anthony Bass is a relief pitcher, followed by many others. Ken Giles, closer. He's a good closer. He is a solid closer. Cuckoo bird. Now, yeah, he's, he's solid. Crazy, they, but solid. They still have a lot of young talent down there. They got Bo Bichet. They've got Vlad Guerrero Jr., who hopefully can come into his own this year. He started to really turn it around last year. Um, Teoscar Hernandez, Fish. Derek Fish. Kevin Biggio was probably the best hitter on the team. Yeah, he hit really well. They had a lot. Of, well, they hitting, had some solid guys. Hitting is relative. He his on base percentage was like three ninety, but he's yeah. only hitting like two fifteen. But yeah. you know, got on base. That's all that really yeah. matters. I mean, all just, that matters. Just ask Billy uh-huh. Bean. So they've got some solid pieces. They could hover around five hundred. I don't see them making the playoffs, but a K 
Canada, they'll be okay. We don't like your kind round. Yeah, it needs some more pitching, but uh, on the right track for sure. Yeah, they're they've got the young talent. Yeah. Where, where am I getting this ad coming from? What the world? Any last words? Where's this guy? I hear some Sonic movie commercial in my ears, and I have no idea where it's coming from. Come on, son. I I'm looking for it. No. I closed the ad. Huh. Okay, it's gone. That was weird. Anyways, I can cut all that out. Alright, so for win totals for these two teams, I've got the Yankees at 104 wins, uh, 58 losses. What do you guys think about that prediction? Should it be higher or lower? I'll I think it should be higher. I'll yeah, say higher I'll more. Okay, alright. I think they'll get uh, at least, well, this might be a little bold, but 110 is not out of the question for me. Okay. I I, was I personally was thinking up there, but I was like, man, just predicting a team up there just sounds crazy. I mean, just thinking about all the one-run games that teams have, I just think that they're going to hover more around 104. I wouldn't be surprised no if you guys are right, though. Inj injuries, too. Injuries, mm -hmm. too. No I mean, look at what happened to them this year. Decimated with injuries. They were, and yeah. they still won the division. <laughs> yeah. So. It was crazy. I don't even want to think about that. It's like, ah, oh, the Yankees, they're always buying their, t their team to be amazing. And then they do it again, and then everyone gets injured, and they're still amazing. That was very, very frustrating. Yeah. All right, so then I've got the Rays at 90 wins. Thoughts there? I was going to think like 92, so I was pretty close to you. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'd say it's about even. Yep. Okay. Red Sox, I've got at 86 wins. Not Ooh. a great team. I've got them a little bit above 500. With all the teams, I mean, they have Toronto, Baltimore. They're going to play Detroit, Seattle, Kansas City. There's going to be some wins in there to be had against the American League. I got them at like, I'll huh? take under. I'll say 75 wins. 75, I'll, okay. I'll take the under two. I think it's going to be, they're going to be around 500, maybe a little below. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'll take the under, just barely. All right. And then I've got the Blue Jays at 76 wins. So you think that they're going to be, James, he's above the Red Sox. So that would still put them one game above them. Yes. Uh, I, I was thinking like 78. Okay. They're not going to be – I mean, that's 10, 11 games better than last year. So. I mean, we're splitting hairs here between 76 and 78. Yeah, yeah so around, around eight, right below 80. I think, I think they'll be right around 500. Uh, I think they might even be a game over 500. So really, uh, maybe 80, maybe 82, 81. Okay. Uh, just because I think they're going to get so many wins off the Orioles, and I think that they'll actually get a lot of wins off the Red Sox too. Interesting. So, interesting. Um, the, now, you know. now we got to get to the Baltimore Orioles. Do they get a win against New York this year? Yes. Do or they no? get a win? Period. Yes, that's what <laughs> they're going to get a win. Period. They will get at least one. But do they beat New York at all? They were 2-17 against I'll them give last year. So they're going to be even worse. I'll say twice. I'll say twice. I, uh, Just because they beat the Astros last year. I mean, whenever they, they beat them like 25 to nothing. That was crazy. They beat them the next day. That was maybe the they'll do John Means versus Hap, and maybe they'll get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Their point differential was negative 252. Oh, my gosh. That is so terrible. Only team that had worse was the Tigers, and we won't talk about The Tigers about that weren't even trying. They were 333 under. Ugh. Oh, my Anywho, gosh. So, sorry. Man, this is – the American League is is crazy. There's some great teams, and there are some terrible teams. All right. So that's the American League East breakdown. We're going to do that for every division. Okay, that's cool. Just what? forget what I asked. That's what? okay. What did you I say? How many wins do you think the Orioles are going to have? Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped them. Uh, 56, which is maybe a little high. But that's less than they had. It's two All more right. than last year. I think they have 40 wins. 40? I think they're going to be horrendous. They're going to lose 122 games? I'm saying it. Calling it. All right. <laughs> we'll see. That's going to be hard to do. That would be impressive. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, they lose 110. So, 50. So 52. Two wins. Yeah. 52 wins. I've got them at 56. All right. Well, yeah. we'll see, I guess. We will see. All right. So it's time for the seventh inning stretch where I tell a, a great story about one of the all-time legends in baseball. Whether the story is great or not, I don't know. We'll have to just wait and find <laughs> out. So I want to talk about, of course, one of the all-time classic stories when Bray, Babe Ruth broke the single-season all-time home run record. Now, everyone's heard this story or at least some version of it, but something people haven't talked a lot about is the person who he broke, 
whom's, whose record he broke. Roger Connor was the previous all-time home run leader at 138 home runs over his 18-year career. He also held the single-season home run record. Now, he had 138 home runs over 18 years, which ended his that career ended in 1920. Um, wait, I'm sorry. That career ended in 1897, and it held until 1921 when it was broken by Babe Ruth. Now, Connor was never really remembered for much. He had played the majority of his career with the New York Gothams, is what they were called back then, which I actually didn't know. I was kind of ashamed of myself. Um, and he was actually the player responsible for changing the name to the New York Giants. He died at 73 years old, 1931, and was buried in an unmarked grave. He actually wasn't, didn't even have a gravestone or a grave marker until 2001 when some fans petitioned for it. And they ended up putting a grave marker just over a random unmarked grave. They didn't know if it was his or not in the cemetery that he was told to be buried in. So it was surprising to me that someone who was an all-time home run leader, who whose home run record Babe Ruth broke, really had no history whatsoever that anyone really cared about until 2001. So I thought that was interesting. Um, so then we talk about Babe Ruth. He came into the league at 19 years old in 1914 for then the Boston Red Sox, well, still Boston Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox, and was traded to the New York Yankees shortly after, a few years later. And this has widely been known as the worst trade of all time, as Babe Ruth is statistically the best baseball player of all time. Pitcher and hitter destroyed in both categories. Now, we remember that Roger Connor, his record was after 18 years. Well, after only seven years in the league, Babe Ruth had quickly surpassed Roger Connor's all-time home run record. And then that same season, he also broke the single-season home run record with 21 home runs in a season. The next two years, he again broke his own home run record. That third year in 2000, or I'm sorry, 1923, he hit 59 home runs. Now, four years later, 1927 is the year that he broke his own home run record again at 60 home runs. 60 home runs, which then that record stood for 34 more years until 1961. So I just want to talk about how amazing the player of Babe Ruth really was. He revolutionized the game to become this home run era that we have today. We talk about last year, all the home runs that hit were hit. Well, it came from this man. He really made baseball how we know it today. It's truly an amazing thing. I mean, back then, baseball was played by, I don't want to say frail, but limber people, right? Guys who were more on the scrawny side, fast, hitting the ball, slapping the ball. A lot of each row type players, right? Well, Ruth really revolutionized things. And it wasn't until 1961 when the race for Babe Ruth's record took place between Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle. Again, two freaking Yankees. And they're trying to beat his 60 home runs. And Roger got a little bit of a boost when Mickey Mantle injured himself in September and was left as the only one trying to break his record. And he did end up with 61 home runs in 1961, breaking his single season record. Now, one thing that I thought was interesting, I never knew this as I was reading about this today. The commissioner at the time was a personal friend of Babe Ruth, and he didn't make that record official, the new record of 61 official, because at this time, teams were now playing 162 games in a year, which Babe Ruth was playing less than that, right? So he said, it's not fair to break, to break Babe's record with a player who's playing more games. So it actually took a few years before that became an official broken record. Um, I just thought that was a very interesting story, some things that I didn't actually even know about that story. I had never even heard of Roger Connor before, and to know that the record wasn't actually official for a few years after breaking Babe Ruth's record were some interesting things to me. Did you guys know all of that, or am I just... Uh... No, I had no idea. Yeah. No, that was new, that was new news. I mean, Babe, Babe's the GOAT, and it, uh, it's cool to know, like, Roger Connor. Like, never, never heard that name ever. Yeah, never had heard of him before, but it was it's crazy that we have... New York players breaking New York records and then being breaking New York records again. And I would be remiss to not mention that finally the person to break the trend of breaking home run records that was not a New York player was, of course, Hank Aaron. Wait, who did he play for? The Brooklyn Dodgers. <laughs> well, he also played for the Braves at that time, yes. Which was great when we were there in, uh, in Atlanta. Atlanta. We got to see... We got to see... Uh, all his jerseys and everything, and yep. saw his bat. That was really cool, really cool. If you haven't seen our pictures from our visit to Atlanta, go check them out on Instagram. They're pretty sweet. Pretty sweet stuff. 
So that's all we have for today, right? Oh no, yeah. no, I forgot yeah, about our, our extra innings. All right. Yeah. We're going into extra innings, right? I've got some crazy stats. So I'm sick of talking. I've talked way too much. Wes mm-hmm. and James, I want to hear you guys' crazy stats for today. Wes, go ahead. All right. My crazy stat. Only three managers in the history of baseball have ever been suspended more or over one year. And we've actually talked about one of them today. So number one, AJ Hitch, most recent manager to be suspended one full year. Most everyone's heard the Astros scandal with the trash cans and you know all that nonsense. But anyways, so AJ Hitch, one year suspension. Number two, Pete Rose, lifetime ban for gambling. We, uh, we talked about that, so I won't touch on that too much. Those are the two number that I three, knew. Number three, maybe the most, uh, the least known, but uh, is Leo the Lip DeRocher. He was the manager for the Los for the Dodgers back in uh, the fifties. He was actually the manager whenever uh, Jackie Robinson broke through with major into Major League Baseball. So. Okay, that's where I've heard his name. The year that uh, Jackie signed with the Dodgers, Leo the Lip was actually suspended that that year because the GM was very close with uh, the commissioner of baseball. And the GM and Leo did not get along at all. So the GM actually told the commissioner, so his own GM told the commissioner that Leo was running a gambling uh, racket all, with among team members. And the commissioner suspended him a full season. Was this a true that. thing, or was it just something he did to get at him? Oh, this was true. Just the just the GM uh, threw him under the bus because they didn't like each other. So, oh, wow. Uh, got his own manager suspended a full year uh, <laughs> because he didn't like him. Why so, wouldn't you just fire him? Apparently, he did fire him, and then he brought him back. Kind of like a, uh, who was the Yankees manager who got fired like six times. I, his name evades me, but uh, that's news to me. I don't uh, know. Yeah, well, anyways, but anyways, he was so he was fired a few times, but they brought him back. Apparently, they were heavy drinkers, and they he would fire him in the night, and the next morning he would rehire. Him. <laughs> that's uh, kind of funny, know, stuff like that. But yeah, so Leo the Lip, the Rocher, because apparently he had a bit, he had a big mouth and didn't make many friends either. So, you don't think it's because yeah. he put a big dip in his lip all the time? Possibly. That might have been it too, but uh. <laughs> One thing he did, he did uh, revolutionize the game. By he was the manager who got Jackie Robinson, and it was his saying. You know, one of his sayings was, "Hey, I don't care if he's yellow, black, white. If the guy can play, he's he can play. He can play on my team." So, cool, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, what was yours, James? Okay, mine's kind of a story. Um, it's actually about Hank Aaron, ironically. Um, so I'm just gonna go right into it. Um. When he was a junior in high school, he was actually drafted to play in a Negro League uh, in Mobile for the, the team called the Black Bears. Hmm. Um, and just to keep it short, uh, he he was playing for them, and he played. He won the championship as a team there a few years later in 1951. Um, he joined the the Indianapolis Clowns of the Negro League, and he was paid two hundred dollars per month. So he went from $10 a game to $200 a month um, playing baseball. And and in the time he led, which was probably a lot of money. Um, When he was playing for the Clowns, in the year that they won the World Series championship, the Negro League World Championship, he was batting 366, hit five home runs, batted in 33 people, had 41 hits, and nine stolen bases in 26 games. That's nuts. So if you play play that out, he would have 35 home runs. In a regular um, then, season game? Or in a regular yeah. major league season? Like, if it was today, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when he was doing so well, he was drafted by two teams, um, the Braves and the Giants. And the Braves offered him $50 more per month. I bet the Giants are probably kicking themselves now because he chose the Braves. <laughs> and he was $50 he was a paid, month. It was like, it's not that much for a baseball team. Like, you should, probably should have did it. But... <laughs> So he ended up getting paid ten thousand uh, dollars a month or salary. I don't know. Probably season. That probably makes a lot more sense. <laughs> um, in nineteen fifty-two, but the important thing about him is, I, so you probably you two might know this, but his entire life until he got to the Braves, he batted switch-handed. So he, he was a right-hander his, and he hit lefty. 
so he was a right-hander, and he used his left hand on top. Uh huh. Wait. And he he what, put his. What? But he hit from yeah, the right he, side of the plate. He hit like he was a right-hander, but he had his left hand on top on the bat, so he batted with his hands opposite. What? Yes, oh my and he gosh. Was, he was hitting home runs. He was batting three sixty six, and and he did this all the way up until he joined the Braves, and then they switched his hands, and that's when he started breaking the home run record. Oh, yeah, because he was hitting well, like a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, so you see how amazing of a hitter he actually was. Imagine if he would have started his whole life. Is that legend or is that true? No, that is 100% accurate. I'm, I promise on everything. That is, that is 100% accurate. That is crazy. That he is hit 365 so hitting like that? I can't yes. even imagine. Yes, he was freakishly good at baseball. I promise you, all this is 100 percent true. Wow, that is a crazy stat, there, James. I did not even That's know. What that. I do, man. I bring, I bring the the gold way, to this, this. <laughs> way to deliver. Mine is not that crazy. Mine's more of like a, oh hey, that's kind of cool. <laughs> all right, so I got to talk a little bit about pitching, right? Jacob Degrom is one of our first back-to-back Cy Young winners in quite a while. He dominated again this season for the New York Mets. Can any of you guess what his average slider was this past season His in miles per hour? 94. Okay. 92. 92.5, which is uh, nuts. High, but you were making it seem higher. <laughs> That's really fast for a slider? <laughs> That's know, faster than a well, lot. Ken Cripples is like 90, probably 92 as He's well. He's also a closer. <laughs> DeGrom is what? a starting pitcher throwing this hard. What is, Doug? What is? So, DeGrom's slider was the hardest one thrown by any starting pitcher in the pitching track era, okay, even over Craig Kimbrell, which goes all the way back to 2008. There was 136 pitched, there were 136 starting pitchers in 2019 whose fastballs were averaging slower than this. DeGrom's <laughs> single hardest slider of the season was 95.4 miles an hour. Now, he threw three sliders 95 miles per hour or ha- harder during the season. The average fastball velocity in the major leagues this year reached 93.1 miles per hour. That's barely faster than his slider. Now, that's even faster than any other year before. Your average big league fastball in two, last year was 92.7. So his slider is only 0.2 miles per hour than the average fastball last year. Man, Dallas Keuchel never even touched 90. So it's cr- yeah. He's, he's throwing absolute now. gas. <laughs> Now, the whole league is really trending up this way, though, because, like I said, this last year, the average fastball was 93.1. In 2008, the average fastball was 91.4. So, in the last 11 years, the fastball has risen an average of over 2 miles per hour. Spin rate. It's it's absolutely going. Bauer loves spin rate. I don't think he would take that as an insult. (laughs) there were 149 different pitchers this year with an average fastball velocity of 95 miles per hour or higher only 11 years ago there were only 55 of that same stat it's just crazy the way the league is changing you'd think with all those stats that we'd be having less home runs but again just like Wes has talked about before it's become a league of three outcomes home runs strikeouts and walks again I should give my source for this this all these stats I gave are from an article on MLB.com by Andrew Simon. I don't want him to come after me when my, our podcast goes viral. Viral. Yeah. Yep, I like it. Yeah. When they hear my stat, that's what it is. Oh, that's what it's going to be, James. <laughs> it's going to spread like wildfire. <laughs> I'm so full of myself. <laughs> all right, everybody. I appreciate you all listening to the show. James, it's been great. Get some sleep. I know you have work super early in the morning. However, this is when the show gets really good because me and Wes are about to talk some Star Wars. So. Woo-woo. If you're on, if you're into Star Wars, hang out. James, adios, amigo. We'll catch you next week when we talk about the AL Central. So start researching your AL Central. I have a lot of things to say on that topic. It's the worst. I'll see you later. (laughs) See you later. Bye, James. Okay, so if you are indeed a Star Wars fan, then great. We're glad to have you. Wes and I are about to talk about the Rise of Skywalker. We're going to talk about Clone Wars, what's coming up in the coming years of Disney. For a few minutes, maybe 10 minutes, hopefully no more than that. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, stick around after the outro music, and we'll catch you there.
my dad in the garage. The sawdust, that pine saw in the moss. Around every spring, when the winter thaw, we'd huddle around the radio, twist the broken knob. 7:10 a.m., no KJR. Daily House's voice would echo throughout the yard. Couldn't have been older than 10, but to me and my friends, the voice on the other end might as well have been God's. 1995, the division series. Eggers up to bat, bottom of the 11th inning. Got the whole town listening. Swung on and belted, the words distorted. Joy Core round third. Here comes Griffey, the throw to the place, not in time. My oh my, the Mariners win it. Yes, fireworks, they lit up that ceiling in the kingdom. We had just made history. All right, Wesley, there's a lot going on these days. Yes. Now, sadly, I've been a busy, busy man, and I've only been able to see The Rise of Skywalker once. I've planned on seeing it multiple times by now. I just haven't had the chance to. Have you seen it more than once? I've seen it twice now. Okay. Now, have we talked about it much? I don't think we really have. I generally really liked it. I felt like it saved the trilogy to the best of its ability, right? Honestly, like when you go back and watch it, and then I went back and watched The Last Jedi. It makes The Last Jedi a little better yeah. now that they changed. Now that they kind of changed what they were kind of going, which for. has so really it, ticked off a lot of people, honestly. It kind of makes it easier to The Last Jedi easier to watch now mm-hmm. that you have watched the, what they changed in The Rise of Skywalker. But yeah, yeah. So. And I would agree with that. I agree with you. I think that it has made it. It has made it much more uh, palatable. I can deal with the things that the last Jedi did because it it re-explained in this universe. It makes a little bit more sense. So I liked it. I enjoyed the story that was told. Um, Creepy Palpatine, maybe a little overboard, but I also really liked having him back in there. I felt after they killed Snoke that they needed to do one of two things. They needed to make Kylo Ren seem like an unstoppable force, but they couldn't really do that because Ray had already beaten him twice without any training, so that route couldn't really be explored, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It, it just couldn't be then, done. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Oh well, uh, yeah. I was just gonna kind of go with that. I mean, yeah. I mean, Ren is, uh, you know, it's kind of like he's kind of like that teen punk that always gets his butt whooped by uh by the girl, but but uh, I mean, you know, Ray no training whoops up on him, but you know. I, it was a nice arc. I thought it was a good... Personally, I, I like the arc that they had for him, at least finishing up. So. Kylo Ren was my favorite character of the entire trilogy, by far. I felt like he had the yeah. most interesting story. I felt like the road that he took from being someone of, you know, almost like royal birth, struggling with who he was and who he was going to become, struggling with fighting his power, I felt like they could have portrayed it a little bit better where that pull to the light side was a little more obvious because he kept claiming that he had this pull to the light side, but he kept doing super dark, evil stuff. So it was like, yeah. eh, is it really there? Because you seem like a like, pretty bad dude. <laughs> yeah, that pull's not that strong, yeah. it seems like. You keep trying to... It's like one step forward, five steps into the darkness. I think that one so. thing we have to realize, though, I've seen a lot of people say, like, man, the guy shot at his own mom. No, he didn't. He was going to... Nope stopped himself, took his hands off the controls, and then the people that were there in, or his uh, co-pilots or whatever, his little wingmen, they're the ones that shot at the bridge. So he actually didn't do it. Um, exactly. So I think yeah. that's one one of the things that Ryan Johnson did really well is he kind of showed he really was struggling with that pole to the light side. Or at least he couldn't kill his own mom. So yeah. I thought that Ryan Johnson did do that part well. And throughout the whole, the whole story of the last jedi i give him props i felt that the arc between ren ray and snoke was done really well i always found that part of the story to be very interesting it was all the other stuff that really bothered me yeah i just wasn't uh i mean i'm still not a fan of killing off snoke that early i mean i think the rise of skywalker did a did a a decent job of showing like oh snoke was just uh literally a puppet literally a puppet just a puppet 
So, he's a force puppet. That I was mean, a nice way that the Rise of Skywalker did that, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it, I don't know. I, st- I wish it, they didn't have to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, now, I am someone who will go back and read the books. I'm someone who will go back and uh, look at the different guides and the different things that they had planned to put in the movie, listen to podcasts. I'm a nerd, right? It's who I am. I accept it. Oh yeah, and I'm okay with finding out how Palpatine came back by reading a book about it. But a lot of people are just gonna watch the movies, and they are so confused. How in the world did Palpatine come back? He was thrown down a shaft in the Death Star, being electrocuted by his own lightning, and we literally saw some explosion happen when he went down there. And then the whole Death Star blew up, presumably with him in it. How in the world is he still alive? So, did that bother you? Do you have an explanation? What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, I I love I love that they brought him back. Uh, you know, the uh, the Rise of Skywalker. We saw now spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen. Everyone's it. seen. Uh, it. Anyone yeah, everyone's that's listening seen. to this has seen it. Of course, yes. Uh, so, uh, whenever they were in that on the uh, Exegol, yeah, Exegol, with, yeah, like all all of his. Uh, the people, like whenever we first saw him, we saw mm-hmm. there were some people like in the stand up in the the cheap seats. You know, mm-hmm. those are his Sith followers, and right. um, and they actually have a know. name. They're called like the Sith Eternal or something like that. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I love to see that. Like, I don't know the specifics of you know that did they make it. Now I'm seeing things now that it was actually a clone body. It's just his Sith spirit mm-hmm. took in the clone body, mm-hmm. but. Either way, I just... Uh, so let I, me I explain. It, that was really cool. Now, if there are any like super nerds on here, they may correct me, but I have read a little bit of the books about this, and I've done some research on it. So there's a book called Aftermath that takes place almost immediately after Return of the Jedi, or a few short years after. The New Republic is starting to take over, yada, 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 yada. The remnants of the Empire, they're all fighting against each other, much like we see in The Mandalorian, right? They're still kind of out there. Well, the New Republic is trying to find them and trying to wipe out the remaining parts of their army, and all these admirals are all vying for power. They're trying to decide how do we decide who's in charge. Do we vote on it? Of course, we're all going to vote for ourselves, and they're all kind of fighting, right? Well, a few of them decide, here's what we need to do. We need to go off into the outer realms and the reason that they are the outer not the the unknown regions right and to rebuild there now there was this like advisor to the emperor or a follower of the emperor who had been like a worshiping member of the emperor cult right um and everyone kind of brushed him off as just like some creep kind of like how the admirals like accused darth vader of being a follower of some dead religion that's kind of how they treated this guy right but he was like saying, we need to follow the Emperor's plan. We need to go to the unknown regions. And we have plans to further the Empire after this, right? It was all very mysterious. No one really understood what he meant. But then, by the end of the story, I think I only read the first book of the trilogy. But I do believe that as that trilogy went on, as I, like I said, read about the books <laughs> or watched videos about the books, that's what happened, right? And these acolytes there, they kind of have some vague understanding of the Force. I think they can kind of like use force spells kind of like the night sisters did in the clone wars something kind of like that to where they were re-able where they were able to conjure up his spirit i know this kind of sounds weird but kind of like harry potter type stuff where they use those uh horcruxes or whatever i've only seen the movies once so i don't really know anything about that stuff but i know that they kind of had to re-bring back his voldemort spirit using like different things that embodied him I think that's kind of like what they did for the Emperor, and they were able to put him into like this test tube clone body, right? Yeah, it almost, it kind of, it's a a way of kind of like a force ghost, but Mm kind of not really. It's unnatural, Uh, right? Maybe just like like, a force force voice into, I don't know. I mean, it was the being of Palpatine. It was good old Palpatine. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I, I just meant like, the way that they communicated with him before mm-hmm. he, he came into his body. Yeah, I, I don't think, think it was Force Ghost. I think it was uh, kind of like using uh, one of the Sith holocrons. Yeah, you know, or, uh, it was very like ethereal, right? It was very dark, dark Sith magic, some kind of Definitely. weirdness that I don't think 
I like that there's mystery to it. The fact that we don't understand just makes it that much more complex and that much darker. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, oh, they found his body at the bottom of the shaft and dragged it off, like Darth Maul, right? No, this was something darker, something more evil, right? I thought that was cool. A lot of people complained about it. I liked it. Um, I liked it, too. Yeah. So, there's a lot more still going on in Star Wars. Uh, Clone Wars starts in a couple weeks. I'm thrilled about that. I can't wait. I'm actually watching through. I made myself and my friends a list of like the most crucial Clone Wars episodes in chronological order. And me and Rachel are watching through them. She's watching through them for the first time. I mean, it's super nerd stuff, man. <laughs> I, I've got it broken down into like why you should watch this episode and not these ones. I spent a couple hours on it one night and sent it to my, to my brother-in-law who was like wanting to get into Clone Wars but didn't watch all the kitty episodes and all the Jar Jar episodes, you know what I mean? Right, so, season one, basically. Yeah, yeah. pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so that was a fun little thing I did, but it's been fun watching through it as we get ready for the new season to start. Um, it's, it's so much better than a cartoon, you know what I mean? It's got a great story to it. It's yeah, designed really I mean, well. It, yeah, I mean, just like I, when I tell people, yeah, I'm watching this Clone Wars TV show <laughs> animated, that they're like, what? You're watching an animated cartoon? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, like, yeah, you don't understand. It's you don't get it, awesome. Like, it's great. It's great. It honestly, this, it does, it doesn't feel like a cartoon at all. It's not. Yeah, a I saw this. Yeah, I saw this meme where it had these three pillars holding up this this uh, building that's falling down, mm-hmm. and the pillars were. Mandalorian, Clone Wars, and Rebels, <laughs> and the building was Star Wars, like the movie. Like, it's true. It's true, man. Yeah. And I think honestly, that's going to be a little bit of a trend that we're going to start seeing, right? So Disney has said they're not going to make any more movies until 2023, uh, is when we're going to expect to see our next movie out for Star Wars. So we're going to get a lot of Disney Plus shows. I think we're going to have a new animated show start up, The Mandalorian season two. They just said the first episode is going to be October 20th of 2020. Okay. Um, which is honestly a little further away than I was hoping. I thought it might come out in August, but that's okay. Um, we still have the Obi-Wan show coming out, which starts filming next January. Apparently, the Cassian Andor sh- show is still going to be made, which I'm excited about that. A show set during between episodes three and four. Um, three and four? Yep. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see what that looks like. So, that should be really cool. Um, and I think there's a lot of cool stuff coming. Uh I'm excited. I enjoy yep. The Mandalorian. I'm excited for Clone Wars. The, th- the Clone Wars is going to be 12 episodes, right? Released every week. The first yep. four episodes are about the Bad Batch clones, which we know are like a genetically modified set of clones that are a squad. They're going to go in and do things more uh, drastically than like the cut cookie cutter clones that we've seen before. And then we're going to have an arc about Ahsoka after her time away from the Jedi um, in the Underworld. That's going to be four episodes. And then the last four episodes are going to be the Siege of Mandalore involving Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka. And that's going to lead all the way straight up into the events of Revenge of the Sith. So I'm really excited to see that happen. And I've also seen, it looks like it's going to carry over like into Revenge of the Sith. Because some of the the scenes that they've done have actually happened. Yeah, some Uh, of the conversations they have happened in Revenge of the Sith. So I don't know if you caught it or not, but in that the clip on in uh, the Clone Wars that they showed where uh, there's when Mace Windu says, I sense a plot to... To destroy the Jedi? Yeah. I don't know if you noticed the Padawan in there. It's Kanan Jarrus. Caleb Doom. Yep. Yeah. Kanan yeah. So that I thought that was pretty cool. I think that's mostly just an Easter egg thing. I don't expect oh, yeah. to see him in any kind of action in the show. But Agreed. I did see that that was a cool little Easter egg. Now, that is a different time, a different quote, right? When he says, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi, I at first thought that that was the first time, that was the same time he said it. But if you, if you, this is, again, this is super nerd. I'm getting ashamed of myself, but I shouldn't be. I have to embrace it. If you look where the holograms are around that table, there are certain people that are set as holograms, and then there are certain that aren't. In, when Mace Windu is saying that in the Clone Wars preview, he has Yoda standing right next to him. But then in Revenge, yeah, and then in Revenge of the Sith, when he says that line, Yoda's on Kashyyyk. So unless that was a mistake that they accidentally made, those are two different scenes. Which is weird to think that Mace Windu would say, "I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi." Twice. Now I don't think <laughs> I don't think Mace said that to Yoda whenever Yoda was on Kashyyyk because. Uh, 
I feel like I feel like Yoda was there because that was when, uh, you know, Anakin and Obi Wan, or that was when Obi Wan told Anakin like, you know, he wants you to go undercover. Uh, I don't know. I have to go back and check it, but I didn't yeah. think that was when Yoda was on Kashyyyk. I watched a video on the YouTube about it where they show that they were two different scenes. Okay. Or at least they were talking... No, what it was is they were talking about them being the same scene, and then I noticed, I was like, no, those are two different scenes. Look back at it. And I looked down in the YouTube comments, and there's a bunch of people that said the same thing. So, again, I, I mean, I'm not... A, I'm no proof, but when it comes to Star Wars, I like to think I know my stuff. So Right. Yeah, it's just weird that he would say it twice. Yeah. You know? My guess is it was more likely an error that the developers made that hopefully they'll fix before the show actually goes out. Um, Hope so. Or maybe Mace Windu is like really trying to hammer home that he thinks there's a plot to destroy the Jedi. I don't know. Got a really bad feeling about this guy. <laughs> yeah. Guys, for real, do you not hear me? Seriously, Yoda, Yoda, what's going on, dude? <laughs> this Palps guy, he keeps getting more power. Why? Like, something's up here, guys. Y'all not sense this? Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Wes, I think that's all for today. I have a lot of work to do. The student teaching stuff's kicking my butt. So... I better get back to it and go say hi to my wife at least. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that's going well. <laughs> yeah, so far so good. Better, I'm loving know, it. So. It's not, it's not yeah. easy, but I enjoy it. All right, everyone, this has been the Swinging Bunt Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you stuck around for the Star Wars stuff, great. Uh, you'll you'll hear more about it, especially once the new episodes start coming out. I know that me and Wes will be talking about every single episode. And also, James started. Uh, James started watching the show too, so we'll see. Hopefully, he can get into it too. All right, we'll talk to you guys later, and we'll see you next week. Adios.